During the month of August, we had a series of podcasts, one each week, that dealt with the five steps of reframing the parts of our stories that are hard, shameful, full of regrets, etc. The difficult parts of our tells that often hold us back until we can accept them and find the value in the experience. These are the parts that we reframe. This reframing is such a powerful tool. And on today's podcast, I am excited to interview Annadelle Lemon. When Annadelle was 15 years old, her father shot her mother and then killed himself in a tragedy that certainly created a difficult story for Annadelle. Instead of letting her story hold her back, Annadelle, the freedom warrior, decided to use her experiences of overcoming negative emotional trauma to help others clearly see their potential and do the same thing, reframing with gratitude, perspective shifts, and allowing for the grief of the moment to be okay. She uses tried and true mentoring techniques and lessons learned on her own journey to help others be more successful, healthy, and create better relationships in their lives. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Annadelle has shared her message on TV and radio, and she has two audio CDs. One of them's called Trauma Mamas, Self-Care for Adoptive Parents of Hard Kids. And the second one is called Brain Scrub, Cleaning Out Negative Thoughts to Make Room for the Good Stuff. That one sounds like it's right up our alley, doesn't it? So today, Annadelle is going to tell her story and share some of her insights into how to be free from negative emotional trauma by the reframing that we discuss here on the podcast all of the time. So welcome, Annadelle. We're glad to have you on the Love Your Story podcast. Thank you so much. I sure appreciate you inviting me on and being able to tell my story. It's, this is an amazing podcast, so I really, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. Let's, let's start with your story. Do you mind taking us to the story of your traumatic event and then walking us through how you reframed and used it to help catapult you into helping others get free from their difficult stories? Yeah, I would love to tell you my story. I haven't really told this story until recently because when I tell the story, it kind of throws people a little bit. So what I do, what I've done in the past is just kind of glossed over it, but I would love to get into the story so that your audience can see exactly how I was able to, to kind of, like you talked about, reframe and, and move forward. So when I was a, when I was a little kid, I had what I would call a pretty fun childhood. You know, there were, we played outside and we didn't do video games like kids do now, but we played outside. I had friends and it was just a really great time. And I remember a lot of fun, fun things that we had, but I also remember that my father was never sober. If he was at work, he was, he was like a functional drunk so he could work. But then as soon as he got home, he was he was drinking and that's pretty much how I remember my father. So there wasn't a lot of 
uh, love between my father and, and his children. But I still had a great time and I was able to look back and see some fun times in that. When I was 15 years old, my mother decided that she wanted to divorce him finally after after several years of marriage. And so the divorce was proceeding. And one day, this was December 30th, 1982. It might date me. I was 15 years old. And I had gone to stay with my friend. I had this wonderful friend. I think we've all had these friends who will spend a week at their house. I'll spend a week at our house. You're just a really close friend. So I went to her house this night and we were, it was about 10 o'clock at night. We were decide we did decided that we wanted to do the Jane Fonda workout tape. I know, see that dates me again. So we're doing the Jane Fonda workout. We didn't have the cute leggings and the, the uh, French cut leotards, but we were doing the workout you know, hitting the grapevine hard and, and all those things. And it was, you know, we're having a good time. And then there was this knock on the door. And at the door was a police officer. The police officer needed to speak with me. And he asked me to sit. So I sat down. And at that point, he told me that my mother had been shot. And they were looking for my father as the main suspect. And that we needed to stay away from the windows because they weren't sure what else he would do. Um, they were not able to save my mom. And so at 15 years old, I had lost my mom. The next morning we found out that my father had put a hose from his tailpipe into his truck and ran gas and killed himself that way. So 15 years old, here's, I'm an orphan. Um, my sister was married at the time. She was 18, 19, something like that. And she was married at the time. So my brother and I went and lived with her for a while. But as I, as I look back on this story, and I know we've all had tragedy in our lives, not probably to this extent, but as I look back farther down in my life, I realize that I had done some things that were things that later on I learned how I was coping with, with these things in my life. I went on a date when I was in high school with a guy. He was way too old for me, but I'm not sure why he was asking out a high school kid. But anyway, um, so we were on this date and he said, well, how are you handling the death of your parents? And at that moment I said, well, if it hadn't happened, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I would, I would probably have been, you know, pregnant as a teenager, being beaten by the guy that I was dating at the time and all of these things. And it, that is a pivotal moment in my life when I answered that question, because I realized that I had gratitude, even though in a horrible, tragic situation, there's, there was gratitude to be found. Now, not gratitude that it happened because despite the things that, you know, the decisions that my mother made that may or may not have been great decisions, I still was very close to her and I, I do miss her to this day and I, you know, I don't, my kids don't have a grandmother, but I was able to find gratitude in that situation, not for what happened, but for where my life was at the time. So that's where I started my journey and 
as time went on, I, and I started learning more and more, I didn't realize that that's what I had done as a kid, uh, as a coping mechanism is to find the, the good in a horrible situation. But as I learned more tools and as I got, went forward, I was able to recognize some of the steps that I had taken in order to, to be free from the pain of that. You know, I want to congratulate you because isn't it interesting how, how you were able to very naturally come to steps of reframing that were positive and affirming rather than um, those who naturally gravitate toward bitterness or victimhood or, you know, any of the other angles that we can take when we go through traumatic events. So I, I always find it fascinating, those people who naturally find the positive and the natural reframing steps in these difficult situations. And it sounds like you're one of those people. Yeah, and I don't really know why that is for me, but I do know that there must be a reason for it, and I must have to share my message with the masses so that other people can learn and not have to stay in that place of victimhood and that place of, of sorrow for their entire lives. One thing, though, is that sometimes I find myself not being, being very compassionate with certain people because I'm like, well, I went through all this. You know, I think this in my head. But then I take a step back and I'm like, yes, there, there are other people can't really or have a really hard time. So that's where I come in and I'm like, you know, I went through this. I want to help you be able to get through this so that you don't have to stay there for so long. So tell me what some of the other tools are that you discovered. So gratitude, in, in my reframing program, we talk about finding meaning. You know, that's one of the steps as you find meaning to the event, the positive thing, the aspect of learning that you can take away from it. And I think gratitude falls into that same space. Tell me some of the other tools that you have learned and that you use and that you teach and how they applied to your story. The first thing that I realized is that I was teaching these tools, but they were more for old grief and old, you know, old sorrow. And back last year in December, I lost my 24 year old niece who was pregnant with her first child. And I realized that I could not teach and tell my sister at the time Although my sister was amazing with this and, you know, it started using some of these things and, and had gratitude from the beginning. But I, you can't tell someone who has new grief, oh, hey, have gratitude. You cannot do that. So the first thing that I always tell people now after losing her and, and I was at an event speaking and this totally changed the way I taught this is, is to go through the five stages of grief first because you cannot have gratitude unless you felt that emotion and that horrible pain and allowing that to sit with you and recognizing it and letting it be and giving yourself that permission to go through those five stages of grief. I'll just go through them really quick, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So unless you're going through those stages and you will probably go through these stages throughout your life if when it deals with losing a loved one but the the point is you do not want to stay there and using tools to get you out of that and and 
when you fall into one of those things, recognizing that it's temporary and recognizing that there are tools to get you out. Can I just say that I think this is a really important step because so many times when we are in spaces of deep pain or spaces of deep depression, of our dark spaces, it's hard to picture sometimes that they are temporary places. There is so much pain involved that even acknowledging that it's a temporary space because you can't, you can't picture being out of it. So I think that it's really lovely what you're saying about it, it doesn't show weakness not to be able to pop right out of every difficult situation. It is a process of dealing with our pain and our dark places, and they have to have their due. Allowing that and knowing, like you say, that on the other side, when you get through it, that there is something that you can bend down and pick up, that there are other tools when you get there. But for now, allow yourself to be in the space of, of pain and feeling and emotion and sitting with it and not, not fighting it off like there is something wrong with having that type of human emotion. That's very much a part of being human. Yeah, absolutely. And along with that, People of faith have a tendency to hold quite a bit of guilt. And so I have seen some people, when they're not able to find that gratitude in the situation right away, there's a lot of guilt involved in that. So being able to recognize and knowing that you can go through these steps and feel that emotion without having guilt that you're not grateful for that is really, really huge, especially I think women hold a lot more guilt than men, but both do. And knowing that, that it's okay not to be grateful right away is huge. And that, you know, because guilt has a tendency to kind of run our lives sometimes. So when I talk about the five steps of reframing, inevitably, I find the same thing that you mentioned earlier, that the stories we're dealing with are stories from our past, you know, stories that have been there long enough that we understand we're not comfortable with them, you know, stories that they're over and done with and we still feel fear or shame or deep disappointment or, you know, emotions that we haven't sorted out yet. In the moment, for the most part, you're not going to be able to do a whole set of reframing. It's a process that comes after you realize that the story is something that isn't serving you. Right. Absolutely. So then along with that, you want, you want step number two now? Yeah, absolutely. Something that I do. Okay. Now this one for me took me a while to deal with because step number two, or one of the other tools that I use is forgiveness. And so as we go through this process, especially if someone else has caused our pain, it's very difficult to forgive that person. It's difficult to be able to say, I forgive you, but we have to understand. And I know this is something that we are, we're taught all the time is that forgiveness is not for that person. It's for us. And as we hold on to that, that anger and that just that horrible feeling towards that person, it causes a lot of emotional problems, physical problems with our health and it needs to be let go. So one thing I tell people when it comes to forgiveness, one of the tools I use is a finish the conversation tool. And what you do with this, and I love to tell people to go talk to a tree and people are like, oh, that's crazy. But a tree is a living thing and it has, it has living energy. And so if you can ask the tree if it's okay if the tree becomes the person you need to talk to. 
And so usually you'll get a sense, yes, this is okay, or it's, you know, not okay, but usually the tree is, is really forgiving and will let you, will let you do that. So what I do is I, I have the person really talk to the tree as if it's the person they need to talk to and get everything out. And they, you know, I say, scream, yell, do whatever you need to do to get this out. Swear. I say swear. I'm not a swearer, but if you need to swear, you got, you go right ahead and swear if that's what's going to come out. So as you're talking to this tree, you're just getting everything out and you're just telling it what they've done to you and how they've hurt you and all of this stuff. But in the end, and this is, this step is the worst, hardest step that you can do is you need to ask that person to forgive you for the feelings they have that you've had towards them. Usually people are like, well, I, I didn't do anything. No, you didn't do anything. However, you've had really negative feelings. And in order to do this, you have to look at where the person was at at the time or where they're at now. I don't recommend doing this to someone's face, even if they're living, because you don't need to spew that, that energy out there. But what you need to do is look at that. Okay, where were you? Where were you at? Meet them where they're at. So with my father, this took me a while, and I thought that I had forgiven. I just basically had let it go, I guess, but I hadn't necessarily forgiven him for what he did. So I did this exercise and the way that I said, I'm going to meet you where you're at because I understand, and I wasn't nice about it. I understand that the alcohol screwed up your brain and you were just jacked up. So, you know, I just was just all out there and say, but you know what, I'm going to meet you where you're at because there was, for some reason, you thought this was the solution it's not okay what you did. However, I understand where you're at and I'm going to meet you there and forgive you for those thoughts that you had in your head that caused you to do what it was that you did. So as difficult as that can be for a person to be able to say, forgive me for these horrible thoughts, really you're doing it for yourself. Again, it's not for the person. However, if the person's on the other side, I have a tendency to think that it can release them from, from that energy that's connecting you to them and that can all be released. And it's so much easier to move on because you don't have that static energy that's holding you together in a negative way. I like, I like that meet you where you're at. I mean, that, that's a powerful statement because then you are acknowledging, I, I mean, it just feels, it feels more um, doable, I guess, because when you, you're acknowledging that they were coming from a space, you're, you're almost giving them the benefit of the doubt, or I realize that you're not coming from um, a sane place or, a, you know, whatever it is, it, it just feels more doable from a forgiveness. You're not saying it's okay. It's I'm, I'm going to acknowledge and understand. And that, for me anyway, in my heart, that would allow me to give more love. You know, earlier in the podcast, I mean, in the very first, I think it might be episode seven, we have an episode on forgiveness and it's a discussion about these ideas, but I, I want to share something similar to what you did. Um, when I was doing the, going through the emotional intelligence training, one of the things that everybody had to do was to really clear out these things that um, 
any of these these stories, these painful things that we were holding on to that, that were holding us back. And it was one of the most fascinating exercises to me because the lights were turned off in the room. And, and I know this stuff sounds a little hokey pokey sometimes, but it was so effective for hundreds of people. And the room is filled with hundreds of people from all over the country, you know, doing really good emotional work, getting clear, moving forward with their lives. But in this step, I sat there in the dark and listened and watched while people screamed and yelled and cussed and got rid of, you know, and cried. And the thing that stood out to me was how much pain there was in every single person. You know, not forgiving or having hard things to hold on to is not something that, um, you know, you're a bad person because you have some of this in your life. It is so incredibly universal. And it also really made it stand out to me that the importance of exactly what you said, forgiveness isn't about the other person. It is about the fact that, you know, when God says forgive in the Bible, when there's, you know, 70 times seven, you just always forgive. It is not because you're doing it for the other person. It's because God was saying, you don't ever have to dim your light. You don't ever have to be in dark, horrible spaces filled with that kind of pain. You should never be there. There's never anything anybody can do to you that you should allow to take you down into that really, really horrible dark space that takes over your life because you are bright and beautiful and wonderful and are full of so much potential. Don't let that be the stone that drags you down to the bottom. That forgiveness is absolutely crucial for your own light. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that because you can't, you know, as you're talking about the Bible, we, we, I mean, we had, uh, we have a savior who has taken that from us, so we don't need to hold on to it. And that's all part of that whole forgiveness. That's, that's so important for ourselves. And, you know, the other thing that I talk about a lot too, is forgiveness of yourself as well, because there's a lot of times when, if there's a trauma that could have, you know, that, that maybe you caused upon yourself or something like that, you, you have to forgive yourself. And I've had clients and I've worked with clients who have, who I have said, okay, the tree is you, you need to talk to you and get through whatever that is that you are holding back that guilt and all of that and forgive yourself and ask and tell yourself that you have forgiven you. There's just that, that step. And I think forgiving yourself is such a huge, huge thing when we've done things we've all done things. So why again, are we holding on to it? Because we have, we've had, we had somebody who took that from us. So always forgive yourself along with whoever else you need to forgive in that process. Yourself needs to probably be one of the first people that you forgive. So the third step is, and I'm just asking, I guess I'm not sure, but what did you learn or taking back your power? What, what's the next step that you take them to after we um, find the spaces of gratitude and then forgive those who need to be forgiven? Where do we go next? Well, it kind of goes along with your podcast, your Love Your Story podcast, and it's called Rewriting Your Story or, you, you know, you can call it Taking Back Your Power. I use both of those. But as you're rewriting your story of your 
childhood or around that experience or whatever it is, you look for everything in that story that was a positive situation. I had a client who had a bad marriage and I said, okay, every single day wasn't necessarily bad, was it? And she said, no, there were good times. So I had her write some of the good times, not ignoring the bad things, writing what was good, but also writing what did I learn? What did I learn from this situation? And the next part of that is taking back your power and not allowing someone else to keep your power. Because when we don't allow someone, or when, when we don't allow ourselves to step away from that and be our own person and not allow that to pull us down any longer, then we're taking back our power. Don't sit in victimhood. Don't, don't allow someone to allow you to be a victim because we are not victims unless we give someone else permission to make us a victim, no matter what has happened to us in the past. You know, I know there's a lot of stuff with, with the Hollywood thing right now. And if you allow people to tell you you're a victim and you allow yourself to stay there, you're never, ever, ever going to not be a victim. And people will see you as a victim because that will reflect out of you onto them that, hey, I'm a victim, take advantage of me. Even though bad things happen, doesn't mean you have to stay in that victimhood. So tell me what you do with your clients then. If you can give the listeners sort of a, a round feel for the type of clients you work with, where you do speaking, kind of what your area of focus is, if you'd like. My area of focus is mainly with people who've, who've done, who have been through trauma, which is pretty much everyone. But they come to me for different things. If there's relationship issues or even health issues with weight that they haven't been able to to take off because our our bodies will hold on to weight when there's emotions around it. I've helped clients release, um, you know, several pounds within just a short amount of time, and not because of what they're eating, but because of what they are holding on to. Their relationships will improve once they have gotten through this trauma, and once they have um, overcome some of these things. So I, I, you know. Well, relationships and health are my two big ones, but it falls into the category of, of your business or your success at your job too, because everything is so entwined and so related that you can't help but have success in other areas. If I'm working on your health, you're going to have success in your relationships and your business as well, because everything is just related. So people come to me usually for health issues or relationship issues, but their whole entire lives improve because of the things they're able to release. Mm -hmm. I just help them release it. It's really up to them to do the steps and use the tools that I give them in order to, to release the, the emotions that are involved in that. So do you do this through um, personal conversation? Is it on the phone? Is it online? Is it, you know, sitting on a couch next to each other? Is it an online course? What, what's your, what's your I can do, well, I do either. I do webinars and I'm starting, I'm just starting one up. It's a, a six week success reset is what I call it. The one I'm doing currently. Um, I had someone ask me to do one geared towards recovering addicts. And so that's one that I'm working on as well. It was just a request. And so I'm using the tools for that. I do public speaking, um, usually around Utah, but I have done some in California and I do, when I do one-on-ones with my clients, it's usually over, um, 
a Zoom meeting or over the phone, but I also can do it in person. And I have some clients that prefer in person that are local. I do have other clients throughout the state uh, in, in other states as well. So we do Zoom meetings. Um, yeah, I have a book coming out called Beyond the Pie Hole, Seven Steps to what, what is my what is my tagline? Seven <laughs> steps to shedding your emotional and physical fat suit. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> you know, I I can commiserate with that because I just put a new ebook out, and it's the key to your super self. How your stories help you find your power. And I'm not even sure about the tagline. Every time I try to remember what that secondary title is, I'm like. What is that exactly? (laughs) Okay, so in the show notes for the listeners, we'll have ways that they can contact you, um, ways they can follow you on social media, a link to your webinar, whatever you've got available at this time. um, We'll put those up in the show notes. And in parting, do you have any words of wisdom or things you'd just like to close out with? No, I have a saying that I, it's kind of my mantra And it's honor your past. It has made you who you are today. And I I say that, but I also tagline that with don't let your past pull you down. You honor your past and build from what you've learned from your past. Because if you didn't have the things that, that happened to you in your life, you wouldn't be who you are. But just make sure that you're using the tools to chisel something amazing instead of you using a sledgehammer to pound yourself into rubble so you cannot be fixed and and built back up. And this is what Love Your Story is all about. The very essence of Love Your Story is how do I do the work that I need to do and follow the steps and do the reframing so that I do love my story no matter how many rough patches and broken chapters um, there have been in it. So I love your work, Annadelle. Thank you so much for for what you do in making the world better, for turning your experiences into something beautiful and strengthening, and for sharing it here on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm I just I love to be able to help people. So that's what that's what it's all about. We all have trauma of different shapes and sizes in our lives. We all have parts of our stories that need a reframe, unless you've already done the work. It's just a part of living. So sometimes we've already buried them. Sometimes they just haunt us. Sometimes we pretend they aren't there. But in my work on the podcast and in Annadelle's work, we both seek to bring to light techniques for breaking free from the events and the stories that hold us back so we can be free. That's why she calls herself the Freedom Warrior. If this has been interesting and you know that reframing would serve you on one or more of your stories, go back and listen to episodes 46 through 50 to get a breakdown of all five steps and ideas to consider and steps to follow as you reframe. It literally works you through one step at a time to be able to do this work. And also, in today's show notes, you'll find the contact information for Annadelle Lemon if you wish to get in touch with her. Also, on our website, don't miss the free ebook, audiobook. It comes in both formats. It's called The Key to Your Super Self, How Your Stories Unlock Your Power. And it's phenomenal. It's free. It's, it's our gift to you. Merry Christmas. 
Um, go grab a copy and get on the path to better understanding how to harness the power of your stories. And we'll see you next week. And, you know, I hope you're having a great holiday season, writing a fabulous holiday story. And don't forget to visit us on the website, www.loveyourstorypodcast.com. And hey, if you want to give me a Christmas present, go rate, review, leave a review on iTunes for me. (laughs) Thanks and Merry Christmas. Thank you.